My name is Yuri Lowenthal. My name is Travis Santel. And you are awaited. You are awaited as a Mad Max Fury Road podcast where we watch four minutes at a time of Mad Max Fury Road until our hearts grow three sizes too big for our chests and we cry tears of nerd happiness. <laughs> Every damn time. I'm just trying to riff it, man. Trying to riff some good shit here. Right. And you're, you're, you're good at it. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying. Okay. You know, so, I have so, compassion for this movie. So we just, we just watched through, we just watched through 48. So 40, we are at 48 minutes. Yeah. This is a solid, um, this, we're, we're really getting into this film now. I feel like we're yeah, starting we're to understand into the, meat the movie. of the film. Yeah, we're into the second act we're fully getting, here. Getting to the white meat of I mean, the film. <laughs> you know what, Angela? You never die. Um, this. Is, let me just say this uh, as way of introduction to this four minutes segment. Uh, it is hard to believe all that happened in four minutes. I feel like that's a. This is a lot of plot happening. Always. And it contains one of my favorite scenes of the entire film. What? Oh, well, so let's start with what? that. What? What? Let's start with that. <coughs> First of all, how are you? How have you been? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm I'm hanging in. Good. Uh, yeah. It's nice I, to uh, see you. Yeah. Likewise. It's uh you know you guys know sometimes we uh we we batch a few of these episodes so you know we'll we'll meet for a day and do a, a few episodes and then uh, and then wander away and Travis as usual has been uh, what. Hey, hey, I would like to. I'd like to thank him for wearing the T-shirt that I got him for his birthday. We want to read it to them. I would like to read it to them. It says, "I died historic on the Fury Road." And all I got was this mediocre T-shirt. <laughs> I'm wearing it today to, to podcast yes. with Yuri. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I should go put on my 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 Fury Road shirt. You should um, next episode. Okay, we next should both episode. wear matching Mad Max. God, this is getting worse and this worse. Is, yeah, falling yeah, down a nerd is, hole. I know. Um, I know. You 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 traveled though. You uh, I did. I was in uh, 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 the Grand Canyon. I w uh, went to Havasupai Falls, which was the most beautiful. Uh, I went to Anchorage, Alaska. I was in Yosemite, where I ministered a wedding. It was very nice. Until I met Travis, I was the most traveled, traveling guy that I knew. You know what, and man? I, I constantly meet people on the road who've been to like 7,000 countries and have you know, spent 12 years on the road. And I'm like, right. there's a limit to which I don't want to go. But also, I'd like to go farther, is how I feel. And, and you officiated a wedding. That's I did. It's beautiful. It was, uh, I, it was all Mad Max themed. <laughs> no, Shut not up. True. Uh, in fact, one of the people who um, was in the wedding, the, the bride of that wedding, is a really well-educated, well-spoken uh, screenwriter mm -hmm. who hates Mad Max Fury Road. And I've trying, I'm trying to get her on this podcast as we speak. We have to get her on, this, we have to get her on the show. So stated goal. That if, is my stated if, if goal. If anything would shake this, this show up, it would be having somebody on a woman no less... Who's brilliant. Who, who's who hates brilliant, the movie. who hates the movie, I, I and finds the, it anti-feminist. I found the woman. Oh, God. We we're going to bring her on. It's going to be great. She's going to probably make us not want to podcast anymore. Right. If that, if that ends up being our last episode, I'm going yeah. to be upset. Yeah. The woman who killed the podcast. <laughs> right. Which brings us to uh, Who Killed the World, which who, is my favorite scene of the film, I would say, until a, a new scene comes on that I like better. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll come back to, to the beginning of the sequence, but Nux here gets to confront... Furiosa directly, mm -hmm. gets to say what he wants to say to her, mm -hmm. and we get to see the way that um, uh, Joe's wives think about his kingdom, his religion, his mysticism, and his war boys. And the, the, the watching Nux confront, for the first time in his life, really probably someone who doesn't believe in his ideology, the one he's been taught is truth, and right. the wives of the, the prophet, of the mm -hmm. god no less, is remarkable. 
Yeah. It's like it's like uh, there's nothing like it in, in modern mythology in terms of like watching this poor kid. Say, uh, and what's amazing about it is he is spouting. I mean, we have to spend some time on the scene, but the idea that he is spouting uh, colloquialisms and uh, repeating slogans in response to their earnest arguments about what uh, where he's gone wrong is so good. And the, the just to lead, lead into it, and I'll stop talking about this for a second. But but only for hopefully only for a second. I love it so much. But but the idea that. Um, he, he goes after uh, uh, Furiosa, uh, he, he crawls up the thing, comes out of the little secret compartment, puts his chains, which his hands are still bound, puts his chain right. around Furiosa's neck and starts to um, try to choke her, uh, is immediately pulled off of her by the wives and, uh, and has a knife to his throat by Furiosa. And the, the reaction is so mixed. The reaction is, kill him. No, leave him. He's, a, he's a poor, innocent idiot who's been brainwashed by her husband. Right. Like, to see the pity and confusion and just, they just slag this kid off immediately is so interesting because yeah. he's neutered. Right. He's effectively neutered instantly by their pity. Right. He holds, he holds no, he, there's no fear in any of the wives' eyes. To like this so he's not even kid. a threat. No. They just, they just, they, they say he's just a, he's just a Half-Life war boy. He doesn't get it. Yeah. Like it's, and thinking like, oh, this kid's been brainwashed by her fucking dumb husband. Right, he's who, just a puppy. Yeah, yeah. he's a puppy. He, 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 watching the way they look at him is so interesting to me. Yeah. He's just like, oh, this kid. And, and you just brought up the, when, when he uh, pops out and immediately throws the chain around Furiosa's neck, it's a brilliant bit of editing, thanks again, Margaret Sixel, in that uh, if you back up a, a second before that, it's Max coming back after he's fixed the, the fuel pod and back he's, he's put the cabled that thing back up that engages the drivetrain or whatever. Wow, that sounded like I knew how cars work. Really good, Yuri. Probably totally wrong. No, but, but, but really it sounded gave, efficient. Yeah, just made, made myself happy about myself. Um, he's, you know, he's, he still had this, you know that I love the idea, that he's got this muzzle on for much longer in the movie than I think any other movie would have let him get away with it. You know, yes. you've got a, a handsome leading man like... Uh, uh, 47 minutes, we can in fact say, or 46 minutes. Wow, we yeah, I mean, he, doesn't, he doesn't have it at the very beginning, but he gets it pretty soon into the movie, you're right. I would say for at least maybe 40 minutes, the first 40-ish minutes of the film, yeah. he's muzzled, yeah. and it's covering a lot of his face. How many actors would let you do that? Uh, Johnny Depp and Tom Hardy. Johnny Depp, Tom Hardy, and um, uh, wow, another, uh, well, I guess Tom Hardy's not Australian, but uh, 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 Hugo Weaving... Remember, in V for Vendetta, sure, plays was the masked movie. the whole time. Yeah, true. Um, I, I love actors who... But listen, not oh, and, to slag and, uh, off Hugo Carl Weaving. Carl Urban. Uh, Carl uh, Urban and Judge Dredd. He is a good-looking guy. I was going to say Hugo Weaving. Good you don't chin. mind covering that face up, though. No offense, Hugo. Hi, Hugo. I guess, uh, hi, Hugo. <laughs> I guess if, if you're comparing Carl and Hugo... I, I, I'd much rather I'd much rather want to look into Carl's deep, Carl deep, dreamy and Hugo. Eyes. That sounds like the Carl worst children's sitcom cartoon ever. We'll, we'll do it. But where I was going with this was that um, I, I love the idea that he's he, you know he's he's muzzled like a like a dog like a like a like a wild animal, and um, and this whole time he keeps trying to you know she's given him the the file um, in the in the last scene. Uh, he's been working at it a little bit. He just sort of leaves it in there when he's not. You know, when he's not working on it, you see it in, in this scene. Sometimes when he turns his head, the file's just sort of resting in it's that. It's a funny uh, comedy it, ongoing runner, I think. Right, right. We, we touched on comedy in, in our last uh, guest episode with, with Hal, um, that there are, there are comedy beats in here that are totally organic. That's just him, him working at this muzzle. Yeah, he really is, wants is his muzzle off, which is both but, funny and true. But, but totally true. And so as he's coming back from the fuel pod, throw, having thrown on his, his iconic jacket that he's just gotten back, I love how he... He comes into, fr like, 
it's a moment. Like the moment is telegraphed. He walks from the back. He's tiny, he's tiny, tiny. He fills frame, and you hear him. You know, it's uh, back to the the sound design. It's you know him, um, you know, filing away at this thing, and it's just constant, 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 constant. And then he stops as he hits you know dead center, filling the frame, and you hear him get it, and he pulls it away, and he's fucking free again. And for the first time in the movie, you see. The most that, that Max ever smiles in this movie, I think, is in that moment. And yeah. it's not a full toothy smile, but it's different than any other look he gives, I think, it's in the, the whole movie. It's the first thing he's achieved, really. Yeah. <laughs> in, and, the, in the whole movie. And as he achieves, finally, that freedom, that liberty, we cut directly to Nux throwing the chain around uh, Furiosa's neck. Yeah. So from, from freedom and liberty to... Um, to uh, once again in being enchained. It's play. Yeah. Oh, well done. It's great. No, well Thank you, Margaret Sixel, and, yeah. and your genius fucking editing. Well done. No, also not just a metaphorical good cut, but it's a offbeat cut. It's it's the sense of, you know, good magicians will do the move in the offbeat when you're you're relaxed or you think that's the end of the, of the thing. This movie gives you the end of a narrative arc, which is him getting the mask off. This is something we've been tracking for forty-ish minutes. Yeah. We finally get the closure of that arc, and we have a moment as an audience to think, okay. Cool, he got the mask off. Oh, Jesus Christ, what's happening? Yeah. It, it catches you in the offbeat, that edit of just like, wait, mm. what? God, you know, constantly moving forward, constantly introducing new dangers mm. to the thing. Also, uh, along those lines, right before, so, so Max, um, just to start at the beginning of the sequence, uh, she, there's something dragging behind um, the, the, the fuel right. pods dragging. Right. Right, as, right as they're sort of getting away, as from, you know, from a story standpoint, this is, Oh, things are going good. Oh no, we, they've got another. Right. There's another roadblock. And how did you put it? As a, how did you manly, masculinely put this earlier? The fuel. Oh, that uh, they. I guess Nux must have disengaged the drivetrain from right. that uh, into that right. last into the yeah. the fuel pod uh, section of the. So truck. the wheels aren't turning on the fuel pod. Basically, yeah. Basically, now they're they're dragging dead weight. Because there's a cord uh, that hasn't plugged in, plugged in or something. Right. <laughs> I don't fucking have know. Have you tried plugging it? Have you tried did turning you, it off and on again? Come on, blow on it. Um, uh, but uh, but uh, she says we, we we had to fix this because basically we're dragging dead weight here. Yeah. And and Tom Hardy says I'll I'll do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting choice. I I do, I do think it makes the most sense. I think it's mm-hmm. again a logical choice. It's it's played as a little bit of a sign of trust or, you know, the burgeoning sort of buddy cop idea here. But also if you think it through, either he can't assume that the the wives know how to drive or fix a drivetrain. So either right. he has to fix it or Furios has to fix it. And if Furios has to fix it then he has to slide over, start driving. She's a better driver than him. She knows what's coming better than he does. She knows where they're going better than he does. It just, it's the only logical thing to do at that point. Right. And by, by letting her go to the back of the truck, it invites her to pick up any other man. We've already right. established that she's hidden weapons all over right. the war rig. Yeah. Um, and then she's behind him. It's a, exactly. It's so a risk it's, regardless. T- yeah, tactic, tactically. It's the right move, though, yeah. I think. So he goes out to do that. Um, the second he, 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 uh, he leaves... In this kind of classic movie shot um, that I would argue is also character-driven, she lifts up the uh, the, the um, stick shift and mm-hmm. reveals that it, it's like a, a cane sword. It's got a, right. ca- a, a it's knife. A, it's a dagger, that's, a dagger that's, that's that doubles the, as the yeah the, the head of the stick yeah, shift. which again makes sense the in the world. Um, I, I would argue it's that it's a little showy. It's a little showy, but I would also argue that she hasn't pulled it out in a while and probably wants to make sure it's loose so she can yeah. pull it out quickly if she needs it. So I think yep. that's probably what it is. The camera does do a little bit of a oh look what yeah. I've got. Yeah, you know. yeah, Ta-da. yeah. But what's interesting about that is she's checking that for Max but then immediately uses it for Nux. 
So I would argue that it, it, even if it's a bit showy in that moment, right. it kind of undercuts its own showiness by using it for a, a thing you didn't expect it to be used for yeah. immediately. Right. Also, great little visual storytelling points in, in that one. As soon as Max leaves, it's the first time that Furiosa and the, the wives have been alone since he's arrived. Right. And they share this look. Um, like, as soon as he heads back there, she, you know, she looks at them and they look at, and no words are spoken, but it's, it's sort of a check-in, yeah. I think, in a, in, a, in a great moment. And then when they, when you cut to that wide, I love Max goes out there and he puts the coat on, you know, you know, having him put his coat on is just such a, you Let's, know, for people who've been watching the right. series, you know, you want him to put the coat on, you want him to get behind the wheel of the interceptor, you want him yeah. to load up, you know, the double barrel shotgun, like all the things that are Mad Max. You want to see Tina Turner. You want to see Tina Turner's legs. You, um. <laughs> But then they, 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 there's that great wide shot of the... Uh, and in this sequence, you get some of the best sort of full-on looks at the war rig mm -hmm. where you can see everything um, beautifully. You know, since we really got started, it's always been, you know, strange angles and, you know, the, the, the framing. You never get to see the whole thing all at once. And it's great. As he's walking across the top, if you're paying attention, you see Nux crawling underneath the belly of the truck. Great. To, and and it's, it's, it's a beautiful, you know, you know what's... You know what's going on. You Question. know sort of what's going to happen. Have we tweeted any of the shots yet out? I, I'm the worst. I have tweeted a couple. Oh, okay. And they've been totally out of order. Great. And then because I, you know what, my, the thing that keeps me from tweeting them is like, I keep thinking, oh, I want to do it in order. And then I look at them and I get confused. And did I take that first? Was that, or where does that happen in the movie? Uh, you know what? Let's Maybe do I'll it. Just, after just, this, we'll do it together. We'll, we'll sit down. We'll just do it. We'll do we'll a burst. Well, okay, that way they're out. They're done. Because that yeah. way you can start every week doing the... Right. Um, the thing. But um, I want to ask about the coat. Okay, so Max is very practical um, mm -hmm. in this film, at least, certainly. Right. He's not given to uh, fashion, necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets his coat, mm -hmm. puts the coat on the way back. This, we've been talking about the shoulder pad for a while. Right. This lends credence to the idea that the, the coat is all protection from uh, rocks that may be thrown up at him or he's going down if he between. falls off the truck. If yeah, the wind. it's some sort of protection, yeah. right? So he, he puts right. on the coat, um, I would assume, to protect his body. So does that mean that the... His sexy toned. His sexy toned Warrior body. body. Yeah, one thing we had gotten away from in the previous episodes is the blatant homoeroticism. Homo so Sorry, I brought, I brought it back for no, a I'm second. I'm happy to know we're back to it, which is okay, good. Okay. Keeps the listeners fresh on their toes. <laughs> um, but, but, I, but, it must be some sort of like practical use beyond just mm -hmm. just the rocks being thrown up at him. So I, I found that interesting. He's going to do some work. Yeah. He's getting to I work. Still, yeah, I, I still question the uh, why, why you would only have a shoulder pad on one side. Don't know. Doesn't legit matter. don't know. Like legit legitimately, know. I'm surprised if, if Ian we ever hasn't get told Ian, Ian right, Tavener, if, if, tell right, us. Ian, Ian, give us the answer. Um, perhaps even on this show. Yeah, come on the show and you. tell us that stuff, man. Um, Okay, so let's go back to my favorite scene then, right? Is yeah. that we got caught up to that scene? Because, because I think, yeah, because he goes back, he fixes it. Um, clearly, I mean, they don't know that Nux has climbed onto the truck, obviously. No. So, so he assumes maybe that the, 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 the cable has popped out. Mm -hmm. um, so he goes back. No, no real reason to believe that somebody was back there tampering with it because they left that guy in the dust. And then he, you know, as he comes back and undoes his, his muzzle, then we cut back to the inside the cab and Nux explodes out of that. I mean, we've, we've seen him crawl up and through and we know he's coming. Um, but then he explodes out from under there and immediately... Starts choking Furiosa. What's interesting is that never a threat. There's never a moment right. you think he's a threat. Yeah. He he pops out, <coughs> and he is the menace here in the scene. He's been a, a creeping menace for 10, 12 minutes now where we know he's stowed away on the truck. They don't know. 
he is a loaded uh, gun waiting to go mm -hmm. off. When he was passed out unconscious in the fight scene prior to this, he was a loaded gun there too. We knew at some point he was going to come back to sort of consciousness and serve some purpose, either attacking Max mm -hmm. or attacking Furiosa. He's been this sort of latent threat for mm -hmm. a while now. That and never manifests he, no. as a true threat. And when he finally gets a chance to manifest here as a true threat, he throws a chain around the driver's neck. In any other movie, that is a threat. That is a bad, troubling move. Three women or four women pull him off of her by using their teeth and hands, right. never punching him. They just pull him off, and he is easily pulled off. And yeah. then Fiorosa turns around and puts a knife to his throat while right. the war rig's still moving. Now the threat is not Nux. The threat is a moving war rig without a driver. <laughs> right, right. But he's not, never, it's so funny to me, he's n not for a millisecond considered a threat here. Yeah. They're like, oh, get him out. Of, get this guy out of here. This yeah. idiot jerk who believes the lies my father yeah. tells if, him. If, and, if, and they stop, and the wives stop Furiosa from flat out, you know, sl him. slitting his throat. But... It's not because, I mean, I, I don't think she would have killed him because she believed he was a threat, but but more angry that she had been surprised, yeah. that she'd been caught off guard. And, you and know, also, more like you swat a fly. Just functional, she too. Just, like, yeah, one functional. more enemy we don't need to deal with. Let's get this kid out of here. We don't, exactly. we don't care about him. We need to get him out. But this is, to me, uh, uh, I just love it on a purely ideological basis that we get to see uh, a disbeliever talk to a believer. Um and in quick, rapid-fire dialogue, yeah. in a way, and it's not just any disbeliever. It's people who know Jesus, basically. It's mm. a, it's someone who who's a follower of Jesus saying he cured the the blind, he cured, he raised a man from the dead, he fed three thousand fishes. They're right. like, no, he, it's Jimmy down the street. He didn't. You're an idiot. Right. No, but he, he's the son of God. No, he, he, stop. It's like right. that. It's that conversation. Right. And it's so, it's so neat to see that this kid's belief is unwavering. And this has to be considered the first volley of attack against his belief, his belief system. But he's unwavering here. And again, as I said before, I love the idea that he's, he's simply speaking in parables. He's, saying, he's regurgitating things he's heard. No, he rides the sun. He, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, he, he doesn't. He stopped. That's, yeah. that's Joe. Joe's a jerk. Right. Joe impregnated right. this woman. He branded us with this symbol on his back. He's right. a fucking piece of shit. You're an idiot. Right. And we have probably, as, as his wife, seen him at his most vulnerable. Yeah. When you think about it, you know, when, when Joe presents himself to his followers and to the people, oh, great he's, point. he's armored up and he's this and that. And these women have had sex with him. He's I fat mean, and gross. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it and is. Pockmarked. You know, and we, we can, we, yeah, we can, we can assume it's been rape, but still, even in that moment, it's, it's, you know, it's a vulnerable moment for, for Joe. Yeah. Um, men don't necessarily look that attractive having sex. For no, the most part. oh no, and, it's the worst. And Morton Joe We're for the sure. Worst. Yeah, it's not an attractive way to find. We just there's a lot of grunting and sweating, sweating, and and he's got a big belly and has cancer on his back. Right, and is pasty white. Right, uh, has to take off all the stuff that makes him look really impressive. Probably, probably grunts probably when to, he does it. Yeah, Ugh. grunts and is yeah, and and you know cries and you know whatever whatever he does that only the wives cries. will see. But the confrontation uh, of idol versus reality here is mm -hmm. just thrown into stark relief and it's it's just good it's just good I, I wish more films had the opportunity to have a scene like this where people who believe could be thrown into into stark relief with people who not just don't believe but are sure that they're right yeah because his wife's they know he's lying because he's probably told them like all oh, these war boys i have to control them this way i tell them these things don't worry about it probably says it in some sort of braggadocio it's like look how smart i am i've controlled this whole world with these lies they don't buy it they know yeah. not to buy it and they feel sorry for the kid who does believe it. Yeah. It feels almost like he's on trial 
in that moment. Or, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's not, I mean, it's right. not, I mean, they're not condemning, I mean, they feel sorry for him. They, it's, it's not like they're, but his they life have is to get him to, to, to turn around on that because they feel that they're right and he feels that he's right. But it is, you know, he's there and he's trying to argue with them why what he's doing is right. And they're, you know, five times as many of, well, of them also, just rapid fire, you know, but, shooting down his arguments. But also not even directly fighting with him because he's almost not worth fighting with. Yeah. They don't consider him worthy of fighting with. It's, it, those responses are almost to each other in a way. It's like either angry responses like, no, he brands us, you fucking idiot, which is set mm. out of anger. Right. Or it's like a conversation amongst themselves about to kill him or don't kill him or, you know, feel sorry for him or don't feel sorry for him. Right. It's, he's almost like a yapping dog in the background of this argument. Who's like saying things, saying things he heard his his guy say, and right. he's 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 this, he's that, he's this, he's that, and you're like, dude, sh kid, shut up, you know. I mean, and it's it's weird because this doesn't rattle him. This scene doesn't sure. doesn't just nothing doesn't, rattles him. This he's always happy. This doesn't dislodge his faith at all or his general happiness. Um, but it, you know, looking back on this for this character, this has to be the moment uh, he has to reflect on later on, which is people who would know. If this guy was holy or a god or had a one-way ticket to Valhalla, who who rode the sun, or whatever, yeah. the, whatever the myths about him and Morton Joe are, these people would know. They are his closest right. confidants. They are his wives. They are his, his the the mother of his children or soon-to-be children. They are very sure he is not what he says he is, and so Nux is, is granted access to this terrible information here, which right. is that his god isn't a real god. Right, and so you, you, you say he's, he's un, you know, unshakable even in this moment, his faith is unshakable, but don't you feel that in this, this, this is the moment where the doubt first gets inserted? We don't see it though. I, th I would argue yes. I think this has to be where the doubt first comes in. Because he gets presented with a lot of information from them. Yeah, that, that basically is all what you think is not real. It's not right. real, it's not right. real. And then they drop the mic yeah. by pushing him out of, the, <laughs> out, yeah. out of the truck. And the last question they ask him, um, is well, then who killed, who, the killed, who killed the world? If all the, if all if the, if what you think is true, if he is so holy, if there's a one way mm. ticket to Valhalla, if all this stuff is happening, who killed the world? You idiot! So they confront him with their own ideological quandary, right? Which is they've been asking who killed the world, you know, and which is the great mystery of of this this universe, right? Who killed the world here? Because it is, but ostensibly it's the patriarchy or the yeah, it's oil oligarchy. And it's nuclear, it's, it's yeah, all it's, stuff it's, yeah, it's, that we have been told it is, but right. Um, but they're 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 outside the outside the realm of news, outside the realm of history. Mm -hmm. They exist independent of history, floating along here. Um, yeah, and, and they just push him out, and they push him out, and I love this sort of George Miller trick he does here, where it looks like uh, Nux is plummeting from. 80 feet, it seems to me. Yeah. It just feels like he's falling a great distance. It and must have been six right feet. Into the, right into a sand dune. Yeah, it just yeah. falls right, you know, it's a four foot drop. Yeah. Right into a sand dune. Now, now, do you feel that because because they let him go at that point, we've been talking about how it's because he's no threat, we might as well just sort of, you know, ditch him. He's not even worth killing. But isn't it also worth saying that if they were to kill him, they'd be just as bad as, if they let Furiosa, you know, that, that was her masculine side taking over in that moment and wanting to, yeah, to right. kill him. Um, but and, and they even fight for that. You know, they, they, they say, you know, we can't, you know, in, in not, not as many, you know, not as directly, not as many words, but if we kill him, we're exactly the same, you know, as, as the thing that we're running yeah, from. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that's exactly right. I think that there is there's a sense of this kid is an innocent bystander in this dumb war. We're trying to right. escape from this guy. He's convinced these dumb idiots to, to do his bidding mm -hmm. uh, and fight for him. And this kid believes it. Feel pity for him. Don't kill him. Yeah. You should pity this guy. You shouldn't fear this guy. Right. Um, 
and it's, it is interesting to have your, your uh, you know, one of your big loaded gun threats just mm -hmm. be neutered so fast, and, and we're told this kid is not to be feared, is to be pitied. Right. Um, which is a character arc, great. This is a great step yeah. from, a, from a kid who has been a pretty, pretty bitchin' driver. He drives pretty good. Right. Um, decent but he, threat but he, to Furiosa but he's skinny for a second. And he, wears, and he wears those, you know, those Jinkos. club pants. He wears the Jinkos. Yeah. The chain jeans. That's, yeah, those, uh, the, when he falls out and he, he still runs off, he just looks so pitiful. He does. You know, I, you know poor little Nux. I love him. In his, in his pants, in his, in his big pants. Um, but I will say, just to track this through the end before going mm -hmm. more in depth, uh, this totemic ideology continues where... Um, you know, we saw Slit earlier. We made fun of him. They just, I got his boot. I got his boot. You know, right. um, I have part of this, you know, in life of Brian. I have this. Right. I have that. Um, Nux manages to escape with a, uh, a totem, um, yeah. an icon, a, a piece of fabric from his favorite wife. Right. Um, yeah, if not the wives, he can at least bring that back to his god. Yeah, and say, I have, a, it does two right. things. It's a totem from the wives who are, I guess, in some way considered holy because they're connected mm -hmm. to a Morton Joe. They're carrying mm -hmm. the offspring of the prophet of the god. Mm -hmm. um, but also proof. It's proof that he caught up to them. And what he has to say is should be taken seriously. I was in the cab with them. I know right. what's up. I saw them. I was a witness. Uh, to the whole thing. And so, right. he, he, so he, he's still very much in it. Yeah. And he runs off, gathers himself. He looks dejected for a second. Sure. But, you know, considering they pushed him out of a, you know, fast-moving tractor trailer into a sand dune, he gets up pretty quick. He's, you know, he may be scrawny, but he's scrappy. He, he's scrawny but scrappy, uh, which we should do a side podcast where he can be scrawny but scrappy. Scrawny but scrappy. Uh, he, he, just, he, he just takes a second into, I don't know, maybe I'm misreading it, I just feel like he looks sad for a second. He does. He was so... Because look, think about this. He tracks them down. He fights with Furiosa, captures the wives. His blood bag kicks him in the stomach. So he gets dejected. He almost does it. Then he gets up off his feet, chases down a war rig on foot, crawls all the way underneath a war rig, comes up through a secret compartment, comes up into the cabin, chokes Furiosa, then is again beaten down by the wives. He's fought a long way to get here, then gets kicked out of the fucking cab, and it's like, God damn it, I he, almost had it. He does look like a like a whipped puppy. Like he's like sad. if he had a tail to, to go between his legs, he he would put it he's, between his legs and run away. He's just fought so hard to just get kicked out, not yeah. even by Furiosa, by the wives. Yeah. Uh, and it just takes a second to be like, man, I fucking suck. I fucking suck. Okay, got this piece of fabric, off to talk to Joe, gets right. up and starts running back to the war party. Because if we've, we've established that Nux is nothing but... But optimistic about it. <laughs> everything. Just resilient for man. for being you know uh, a nihilistic cancer. war boy. Who has cancer? Uh, yeah, right. For being a cancer-ridden nihilistic war boy, he <laughs> right. sure is optimistic. He sure is optimistic, <laughs> and is one of those you know bright, smiley, uh, you know comic, you know continu continual source of comic moments that helps keep it going. Yeah. Oh, as as, so as dark sweet. as this movie is. It's moments like that that keep it from from getting making us depressed about this yeah. world and. Uh, and, you know what I also love, the horrors. I love that in this mo this scene that that is an ideology content scene, which is not necessarily integral to the plot of the film. Uh, it's it's confrontation about religion or belief systems, which is a huge underpinning of the film and incredibly important to the film, but not interesting to a lot of the people involved in the car chase. Right. Possibly, it's so rapid fire. It's, he just races through this. That's why I'm amazed. In my memory, I would have said that scene took longer than 45 seconds or however yeah. long it takes. Yeah. It just 
What is that noise? That's that, I think that's the pizza getting here. Oh, okay. We'll just wait for that. Uh, guys, listen, we eat too. It's not like we don't eat. Yeah, believe, believe it or not. Uh, we do also, get... Also, just uh, just so you know, uh, that, that sound you heard earlier uh, was the, the text that um, uh, Hal, who was... Uh, as you can tell, we're batching it. We had it. We had it. We recorded our guest episode with, with Hal earlier today. Hal texted me to say that he didn't even make it home. He went and saw Civil War on the way home <laughs> in IMAX. Like literally, he could not get it out of his head. Listen, he, he sometimes to, I think I'm a nerd, and other times when I meet real nerds, I realize I'm not, and I realize I'm a fucking poser, and I got to do better. No, you're not a fucking poser. I feel like sometimes I am. I, I you've seen Mad Max a thousand times. I've seen it, you know, eight. I'm just What's, down. I'm nux right now. I'm sort of down on myself. Don't don't be down on yourself. I'm better about these things. You've got the shirt on and everything. I did wear If anybody shirt. looked at you, they'd think you're the hardest of hardcore fans. Yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, motherfucker. Well, to be fair, I do have a podcast about Mad Max. That's true. That, That's true. That gives me some credentials. But but um. Okay, it, let me. You, you know what? I'm gonna keep talking. You keep talking. All you right. keep talking. I'm gonna make sure this pizza happens. Uh, so this is just to you guys, the listeners. Um, I just do think this is so weird. Oh, it's so weird giving a podcast monologue. I should tell you details about Yuri that he won't listen, because I doubt he listens to this before he puts it up on the air. Uh, he's so unimpeachable, though, and so ethically moral, this poor kid. I have nothing bad to say about him. It's tragic. He did buy me the shirt I'm wearing. Anyway, um, I... Oh, quick, here he comes. Did I, did I, did I let you vamp long enough? Or were you saying bad No, I said me? some terrible... I gave the listeners details about you. You can't listen to this before you post it. Okay, I never do. Okay, I know. That's why that's I said. <laughs> that's the detail I uh, let, let loose. Okay. But... Um, uh, but I don't edit things either. No, I know. That's really kind of me. They know that. I'm, I'm sure they wish that I would. Sure. I have time. No time. Plus, this is all genius. What, what could you possibly edit out of this? 80%. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, anyway, about that scene, though, I, 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 just, I just feel like he just plugs this into a short period of time um, that, that I, I don't know if it's just clever, clever um, uh, or if it's a concession to his, his what he thinks the fans want or whatever, or if it's just effective, you know, condensed storytelling. But I, I would, I would take more of this scene. This is a scene I would take more of. The battle between a disbeliever. It's only only one we get really. This is at Nux at his highest belief point, and it's the the wives at their lowest belief point mm -hmm. converging. It really is yeah. imagining if people who knew Jesus was a fake coming into the masses after they were fed or whatever. Right. And saying, no, 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 no. He's full of shit, man. He's just mm -hmm. full of shit. I'm, I feel sorry for you. I pity right. you. Right. You devoted your whole life to a cause that's bullshit. You're going to die. You are to be pitied, not to be revered. You are to be thrown, thrown out. Uh, the best we can offer you is to not kill you. Right. Yeah, I've seen behind the curtain. I've seen the man behind the curtain. Yeah. And th he's not who you think I he is. I find something so profound about that. And, and, and watching Nux's unshakable faith. In a way, it's character because it gives us more detail about Nux. And it makes us understand why these kids fight to the death for what they believe in. Because he's confronted with proof. I would mm -hmm. argue proof that who he believes in is fake does not waver him. Yeah. Does, not, does not for one second... Um, Make him reconsider. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 no. You are wrong. He rides the sun. What's yeah. the line? Oh, he's, he's, uh, in this in this instance, I think he it's saying? he's the man who grabbed the sun. He's the man who grabbed he, the sun. Right. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is a fucking ludicrous thing yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, but he's falling back on this these things he's been told. This yeah. these myths yeah. he has. You know. And and in a way, one of the reasons I like this so much, and I struggle, I struggle always in these podcasts to put into words why I find this so profound and interesting. But to see clear myth come into direct conflict with clear reality. Mm -hmm. is is great. It's yeah. just great storytelling. We don't get to see it too, enough or often enough, if yeah. at all. But he just, and when confronted with stark reality, 
all he can do is just, just clamor for tropes. He, he grabbed the sun. He did this thing. Right. He, he was the man who, who, who beat the you know, 300-headed beast. He, he rose from the dead. No, he fucking didn't, jerk. He but, didn't but do yeah, any of those he did. things. He told, he told me he did. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Right. Dad, dad, well, need, well, dad, dad, dad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, in, in a world like this, you need to find some sort of, uh, you need to find something that you can hold on to. That's exactly That gives right. you hope. It's you the know, only thing hope, hope is a theme in this. You know, they talk about it. Hope is, he says hope is a mistake yeah. later, you know. And exactly then, but, right. then, but then he comes back to it and he says, he's struggling for it. And he says, you know, you're looking for some kind of hope. You know, I need to give you some kind of hope. Um, oh, I love that point. No, you're exactly right. This is this is an argument about what do you live. Everybody's for. desperate, and for he, something. And, and, and the people trying to leave have given up and have found hope somewhere else. Yeah. He he doesn't have the option of leaving or hasn't considered that he does yet, um, and so he has to believe in this. The only thing that keeps him living is belief in a Morton Joe. If right. that's not true, what the fuck is he living for? Right. It's devoting your whole life to a cause and realizing it's bullshit. You can't do it. It's that cognitive dissonance that's so strong. Yeah, they're just like you know what. That's why it's hard to talk people out of that. You've worked yourself into that's the, that's you know my core belief. With without that, what have I been living for, and what do I what do I have left to live for? I love this because this is the some this is to me one of the main arcs of the film. That that one of the reasons I like this movie so much is that you see someone get deconverted. You see someone that's go right. from utter belief to acceptance of, acceptance of a higher truth, a higher power possibly. Deprogrammed, yeah. Deprogrammed. Yeah. You see it, and it's impossible and, and so hard to do, and we've all heard this. We watch Nux do that. The first thing, the first step to that is being confronted directly with the cold, hard truth. Mm -hmm. Your God is a liar, he's told basically mm -hmm. here. Right. He's not, what you think is true is not true. He's just told that by the greatest power possible, his wives. But then, and and his number one agent on but earth. But then, but then also, to you know, one one of the key elements in in doing that uh, effectively is then compassion. You're wrong. You've been our enemy. Great point. Um, but we we spare you. We we forgive you. You know, if they had killed him, it the cycle of violence would have continued. I mean, that's how you get that whole revenge thing, and why it's always been hard for me to consider. You know that 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 ultimate question of if you know there was a murderer out there and they killed someone that you loved, someone close to you, how do you find forgiveness mm. for that person, or do you just let yourself burn with you know vengeance towards that person? Um, and you know, I, I luckily I have not been quite in that scenario, and I've not had to make that. I do not have that struggle. And I've not had to make that choice of whether to forgive somebody or whether to just to never forgive them for what they've done, but. To, to end that cycle of violence, you have to come at it from compassion and forgiveness. And it's so hard that when we look into you know, the world today and you know, the people who are fighting, people who are fighting us, people who are fighting other people, um, and, their, and their strong, strong belief systems that keep them fighting, mm. that how hard is it to meet that with compassion and forgiveness rather than, oh, oh well, you, you, well, you just you know, blew up a cafe, you know, and, and there were people that, well, fuck you, we're going to go and you know, get you with drones. And you yeah. know, it's hard, and it's, and it's easy for me to say, oh, that's, we can't do it that way, we have to. But when you're in it, mm. that, that's, a, that's a very strong uh, place to, to, to come from, a place of compassion, a place of forgiveness. And I don't, I don't know that I'd be able to do it in, in the moment like no, that. But, but inevitably, you know, I mean, they... they, they they show in this movie you have to do that if you want to try to break that. To move forward, yeah. yeah. That's a great point. And I think that, that there's two things he's shown here in the scene, which you've really talked about eloquently, which is hope in something that's not what he's always been taught. The only thing to have hope in is a Morton Joe. Hope and, and in something else. Yeah. yeah, good death. And compassion. He's taught, he's taught here hope and compassion, which are the two things in his, in his turn 
that he needs to rely on. Right. He's shown here pretty pretty directly that, that you can hope for something else. They're hoping for a better life. They're escaping. Yeah. And they save his life. They spare his life. They show him compassion, yeah. which is something, as a war boy, you're taught probably never to have. You don't have right. compassion for your, for your enemies. You do war. You destroy your enemies. That's what you do. Right. So these are, this is all, it's got to be a clusterfuck in this poor kid's head right now. Right. Where everything he thinks is true is now shown well, to I be false. I think that's where, where, they, where, where we do see the, it's because... She says, who killed the world? And he doesn't have a retort. Yeah. And then he's off the thing. Now, it, w- it would have all been rendered moot if, he had, if they had dumped him off and he had broken his neck. And, sure. You know, all, all of yeah. my arguments would, would be right. worthless. But Would you say he's literally turned upside down here? Wow. Do you see what I did there? Yeah. I, because wow. they, hold, they hold him upside oh, down. Oh, you don't have to. I, Do you see what I did? Because yeah, oh, yeah. they literally. Oh, I see it. Listeners, see it. they turn him upside down. Do you, are you guys seeing it? You guys are you guys seeing it as clear as I'm seeing it? I'm just saying. Do you want to punch Travis as much as I want to punch Travis? <laughs> What a P- dumb punch joke! You with love, but you know what I mean. Like that's 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 his, this is the purpose of that scene is fuck his head up, show yeah. him everything he thought was true is false. Yeah, and then I I you know George Miller certainly could have pl- played this for more menace than he did. Yeah, but it wouldn't be true to the characters, so he doesn't. And he and he plays this for character building, which is let me show let, let's take step one towards deprogramming mm-hmm. the, deprogramming this kid, and and making him into a real person who's yeah. not an ideological robot regurgitating uh, myths, tropes, and, and parables he's heard about things that couldn't possibly be true. Right. He grabbed the sun. Fuck you, kid. Yeah. He grab the sun. Yeah, think he about fuck, it. Who, who he grabs the sun? He, no, he fucks for 30 seconds, he sweats, and he grunts. Right. That's what, that's what your god is. He's a sweaty fuck machine. Right. Which is, ironically, the name of my new band I'd like to plug right now, if I could. <laughs> Available on sweaty, iTunes Sweaty right Fuck now. Machine, playing at the, the Viper Room uh, next Thursday. love it. They're very good. <laughs> I bet there's already a band called Sweaty Fuck Machine. I bet if we, sure. if we Googled it. I know we can't, because on our podcast, that. that's the thing. Anyway, we haven't gotten through the four minutes. Um, right. But, but we're close. And that, and that arguably, is, is the, you know, of, of these four minutes, you know, there's, there's, you know, beautiful visual storytelling and moving, you know, ahead of the plot and you know, all that stuff. But this... It's the perfect moment for this. I moment, love it. Where, where I really they, where love it. Where the two it. come together. I love what you said about the hope and compassion stuff. It's not just because you're right, and I sort of missed this. I think the first time I, I saw it or thought through it, which is that they don't just rob him of an ideology, which they certainly do. They do not on purpose and not intentionally replace it with something. They replace right. it with a, a show of compassion. Right. So it's the idea that you know they, that's that old trope. You don't don't take away someone's ideology unless you're prepared to replace it with something. Oh, interesting. Um, they do kind of do that. They spare him uh, out of compassion. They feel mm-hmm. pity for him, mm-hmm. which, again, as, as a machismo individual war boy, that's got to be pretty painful yeah. <laughs> to be pitied by the women you've come to claim right. or, or win back for your God. They, they, they don't, you, not, only, not only do you fail in reclaiming them, don't, not only do you fail in conquering the woman who has stolen the, the booty from you, you are pitied by the booty. Right. Pitied by the booty. Ironically, my other band, Pitied by the Booty. <laughs> That's the <a> podcast, <laughs> Pitied by the Booty. Right. Um, okay, so, so they dump him. He right. runs off. Um, you know, at this point, also, Max has come back mm-hmm. um, and, you know, looks out the window. We get a nice little reveal to, you know, we talked uh, when we were talking with Hal and we've talked about it before, how, 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 what a great job this film does at revealing things to the viewer as they are getting revealed to the character, as character the characters motivated storytelling, yeah, yeah, are finding out the bits of information themselves. He looks out the window. You see another uh, 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 
a Karmata, if you will. Yeah! There it is! Karmata! I had forgotten about that. <laughs> no, you um, hadn't. No, I had. I love it. I'm so you into it. You invented it. I'm so into it, though. Uh, you know, coming and and that's... Now, now, now here comes a, a little piece of dialogue that that always seems a little redundant to me. Bullet farmers? They're coming from the, the bullet from farm? From the bullet farm. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, although, if you just said the bullet farmer, uh, you know, I mean, that's... That I do like being teased by information and wondering what the rest of it is. Clearly, there are, there's more than one person coming. They're coming from the bullet farm. Uh, you know, it's still, it still feels a little... It's clunky. Uh, redund redundant to me. Can I say something? Yeah. I think it's the first time you have brought up the thing that didn't work for you. That's not... Is that true? Is that true? Is that true? I, can that you name true? something else? There must have been something I, else. I had earmarked that to something to talk about, too. and was fully prepared always, for a fight with I think, you about I think it. Once, I think once or twice I have said something before and... And and almost immediately, sort of, I start to say it really, and then I kind of back off. And, you know, I am at one. Let me say this: I, you're right. What you said. High five. Oh, that was that was, that was a terrible high five. What you better. said was right, though. It's it feels a little mm. redundant, feels a little clunky, um, and coming out of some fast-paced, lightning dialogue in this scene. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of lines in this four-minute sequence. Yeah. Four minutes, forty-four to forty-eight has a lot of dialogue. Just rapid fire. Especially pop, pop, for pop, a film pop, like pop. this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for any film, even just there's a lot of things being said. It almost yeah. feels like an Aaron Sorkin <laughs> car ride scene. Right, it's, it's, an, it's in a walk and talk. It's a yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, all happening. It's a chase and talk. Yeah. It's a chase and talk contained little dialogue chase scene. Chase and talk, chase and talk, chase and talk, chase and talk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, um, uh, the, the, it's capped off by this sort of repetitive bullet farm line. Whatever. Right, but right. now we know there's more people coming. I think Max says more of your more of your friends are coming. Yeah, he said, he said you got more friends. Or you got more like friends. That. Yeah, yeah. And then she turns to her left to see another Carmada mm -hmm. streaming over the bullet farm. Right, and then we get um, the overhead shot. I love that. It's it's almost as if this movie knew we were going to dissect it into four minute pieces, or it's just so well, um, so finely constructed that you could sort of grab it at any point, and and it's a. It's the perfect. That was our theory, though. I mean, right. which yeah. proved to be true. Yeah. All our freeze frames has freeze frames have been pretty great. Uh, yeah. What we did not uh, get to yet, we have to because we're getting close to time here. Yeah. Is the way the sequence ends, is um, she says, "Listen, I've made a deal, coming mm -hmm. up. So we, we we have some plot um, introduction coming up here. Right. Where I've made right. a deal with these people in this 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 ravine, for safe passage. We don't know what the deal mm -hmm. consists of yet, but you need to hide because I was told, I told them I was I was going to be by myself." Right. And so Max has a uh, quandary here because he sent the other wives down below, kept the favorite wife up above with a gun on her, mm -hmm. saying, I'm not going down there. I don't know what's down there. I don't feel safe. I don't trust you guys yet. Mm -hmm. There's still this cat and mouse trust game going on between Furiosa and Max. And she's like, listen, you just, well, do whatever you want. Just You can't be seen. Right. And so Max agrees to go down with right. the ladies. To, to hide. Once, once again, I think totally you know, motivated by survival. Yeah. Also, we get and trust. With, he and doesn't trust. think he doesn't think that she's she's bluffing here. Right. No, that's true. Um, also, we get uh, teased with we're about to meet. Like, who did she make the deal with? Yeah. We're about to meet another group. Yeah. And it never makes you wait too long. This movie. It's like no. you want to hear something cool. Something cool's coming up. Here's a cool thing. Right. You want to see something really scary? Yeah. And then there it is. What's right. funny? Yeah. <laughs> and there it is. What's funny is that. Um, and the Chekhovian idea is that if there's a gun on the wall in Act 1, it should fire in Act 3. Right. She shows you a knife, 20 seconds later she's He's using the knife. She's using the knife. That's right, constantly right. how it is. It's like a, it's, it's like a constant <coughs> check-off loop yeah, that's right. happening. A 60-second check-off loop. Here's a fire hose. There's a fire hose being used. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's a fire gun. There it is. It's being fired. But no, <coughs> it introduces these new people coming. Mm -hmm. Someone so 
so powerful she had to make a deal with. Right. And she's outrun and outwitted very strong people. We've seen them fight them. Right. But she had to make a deal with these people. So who the fuck are they? Exactly. I mean, that's a and, good clip. And as we, yeah, on the, the, the scene we freeze frame at, at uh, 40, was it 48? 48, 48 minutes, minutes in. minutes in. It is literally an overhead shot of the opening of the can. You see the war rig going in, and you see three separate V Perfectly perfect, you know, spaced. Uh, yeah. Carmadas. We're gonna uh, tweet. Falling. We're gonna tweet Carmadas. We're gonna tweet that uh, t today. So this will be, or when this episode comes out. So you, you should look at this. You'll, you'll, you'll have actually already seen this because this episode won't be out for a couple. Of weeks. Oh, I, we can't get this right. We're the we'll we'll sloppiest podcasters ever. We're trying though, guys. We're not professional podcasters. Yuri kind of is a professional voice guy. I don't. I have no. But I think I think attachment I think, to this world. I think voicing things and podcasting things are too. It's a, it's, a, it's a different. They're not unconnected. They're not. They're not unconnected in that you can hear our voices, but I think podcasting is a. I don't even know what podcasting is. I think we clearly we've identified ourselves as people who don't know what the fuck they're as noncasters. This is not a podcast. This is a noncast. This is a noncast. Uh, you know who would who would come up with uh, yeah. an idea for a podcast? Certainly not like people this. who understood podcasting. Certainly not people who understood. I will say though, just to just to reiterate the point, is that this shot is an incredible one to end on because it sets up the next sequence. It is. The definition of a rock and a hard place. It's a, a, a lonely, isolated car driving into this dangerous ravine with no discernible exit. Right behind it is a V, an attack V of uh, vehicles coming to kill it. Behind that, in a perfect V, are two other Vs of attack vehicles coming to kill who knows what. I, I, at least them, maybe the first V. And, and all we know is that Furiosa has made a deal God. with somebody. If this was a setup to a whole film, I would watch this film. If this but, was a setup to a real podcast, I would listen to this podcast. <laughs> My name is Yuri Lowenthal. My name is Travis Santel. And you are awaited.